So you might be watching this because someone loves you enough to send it to you. And the reason they sent it to you specifically is because they know at some point along your faith journey, you decided to walk away from Jesus. And if that happens to be your story, or even if you're considering it, can I get you to also consider one question? What if what you're walking away from was never something that God wanted you to experience in the first place? Like what if what you're walking away from more represents a person or even a place like this that didn't do a good job representing Jesus to you? And to be fair, I'll be transparent. If I experienced what you experienced, I might've walked away too. Like if I was introduced to the version of Christianity that you were introduced to, I might've questioned it all too. Not, not, not Christianity as a whole, but this idea, is this what God wants? Like, is this really what God designed for the faith experience? Now, to be fair and to be clear, I don't think any of us get it completely right, but I would also tell you that some churches and some Christians have gotten it very wrong. And because they've gotten it so wrong, you likely have been introduced to a fake version of Jesus, which leads to the question, how do you know? Like, how do you know if that's the only version of Jesus that you were introduced to, if this is the only version of faith that you were introduced to, how do you know what's the right way? Well, that's what led us to actually do this series called Deconstruct. If you're new here to Trace, my name's Aaron and I'm the lead pastor here and we are in our second installment of this series that we've been in called Deconstruct, where we're looking at this cultural phenomenon of really what's happened over the last three years of people, masses of people walking away from Christianity, walking away from Jesus and destroying their entire faith. And not only are they walking away and destroying it all and calling it quits on Christianity, but they're taking that message to social media and YouTube and different platforms where they're letting the world know, hey, this is what, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And if we're not careful, to the undiscipled mind, let me say that really clearly, not undisciplined, to the undiscipled mind, meaning to the person that maybe hasn't put, in, put a lot of investment in their faith, to the person that's not put a lot of investment in reading and understanding God's purpose and desire for you, understanding the word of God, to the person who's potentially had a faith that's been built on a false premise, meaning maybe you've been playing a part over the years, but you never really made it to your own. To that person, if you were to get online and you were to listen to some of these stories, and by the way, this, happened, this is happening all the time with our young people. One of the reasons why we decided to do this series if you were to get online and start to listen to this, to these deconstruction, decon what I would call deconverting stories, they sound convincing. They sound convincing to the untrained mind. They sound convincing to the undiscipled believer. And I, I'm just here to tell you, somebody, I got a master's degree in biblical studies. I've been in ministry 15 or 16 years. I myself have deconstructed different aspects of my faith, looking at different things. It's like, man, well, that wasn't true. That didn't represent really who God was. I would tell you that even though their arguments sound convincing, they're not. I would go as far as to say that many of the things that I hear, and I've listened to so many of these deconstructing, deconstructing, deconverting stories. I've listened to so many of them that I would tell you that they're incredibly weak, but they sound incredibly convincing. And so to the undiscipled mind, if you're not careful, if you've built your faith on the wrong foundations and the wrong premises, 
you might find yourself one day questioning whether or not you still believe. And I want to talk about a lot of that today. You know that over the last uh, couple of weeks, really last week specifically, we looked at the difference between deconstructing versus deconverting because oftentimes uh, all of it gets lumped underneath this banner of deconstructing. But when somebody walks away from Jesus and calls it quits on Christianity, they're not deconstructing as much as they are deconverting. And the reason why that's an important distinction to make is because deconstruction, as we determined last week, can actually be a very beneficial thing. If you simply just look at the definition to take apart something and examine it, all of us likely need to do this to some extent because over the course of our faith journeys, we were likely taught something that wasn't true. We were taught something that didn't accurately represent the heart of our heavenly father. And so taking a, a deeper look into those things, and potentially tearing down some of those things so that we can arrive at what is true, I would tell you it's not only important, it's probably necessary. Now, what I wanna to do today is gonna to be a little bit different and I actually switched the direction I was gonna go with this sermon on Thursday, which is a little bit late in the game if you ask me, because it made me rewrite some things. But what I've decided to do today is instead of look at potentially some aspects of the Christian faith that we need to deconstruct and tear apart because what we learned wasn't true. What I decided to do is to flip the flow. And what I mean by that is today, what I'd like to do with the rest of our time is I want to deconstruct doubt. Stay with me. If you were to ask me like, what are two of the biggest pillars of belief in the human experience and human existence? I would either say faith in God or a lack of faith in God, right? I mean, those are two of the biggest pillars of the human experience. Do you believe that there is a creator, an almighty God that put all of this into place? Or do you believe that all of this just kind of happened by accident, that there is no intelligent design? Now, for some people, at one point in time, they lived over here, right? That's why we're doing this series. And they had faith. But for whatever reason, whatever your reasons were, you decided to step over the fence and you ended in a place of doubt. Maybe deep doubt to where it's like, yeah, I can't even acknowledge that there is a creator. And I think it's fair that if you're willing to deconstruct and potentially deconvert from your faith over here, you also, to be fair, need to be willing to deconstruct your doubt and potentially destroy it. I mean, if we're willing to examine it all, and maybe not just blindly believe or listen on either side, wouldn't you say it's fair that we should be able to deconstruct our doubt? When I say, is it fair? You say, it's fair. Is it fair? It's fair. It's fair. And so what I want to do is I want to begin with the foundational statement or the foundational belief for people that have stepped over the fence for the people that would now say that they don't believe in God. And this really is the foundational statement that there is no logical proof. There is no logical proof for God. And since there's no logical proof for God, then, then I'm gonna land on the side of doubt, of unbelief, if you will. So what I wanna do is I wanna give you five points. I wanna give you five points that not only point to the fact that I believe that it's logical to arrive at a conclusion that there is a God, but that his purpose for us was through Jesus. Logical, like I'm gonna use logical deductive reasoning. Like you would expect me to get up here and preach from the Bible, right? And for those of us that's like, we get it, we're bought in, we're all in on this. We have to remember that I can't bring reason to somebody that doesn't believe through this book. Now, by all means, we're gonna look at some scripture today 
But I wanna use logical deductive reasoning and I wanna show you that using logical deductive reasoning, that the conclusion that you will arrive at is that God exists and that his purpose for us was through Jesus. So five points, here's point number one. Is it more logical to believe that all of this came from nothing by accident or that there is some kind of intelligent design? Like logical deductive reasoning. In his book, The God Delusion, Richard Hawkins said, if all the evidence in the universe turned in favor of creationism, I would be the first to admit it. And I would immediately change my mind. But as things stand, however, I, all available evidence favors evolution. It's kind of interesting that he's that confident in that statement, and I'll challenge that here in just a moment. But here's where I want to maybe caution some of us to be careful, or those of you watching this online, where you really need to be careful because you'll read something like that, and to the, I'm going to keep using this word, to the undiscipled mind. To the undiscipled mind sounds like, well, that's a pretty smart dude. He's definitely smarter than me. And it sounds like he's arrived at a very certain conclusion. So where does that leave me in my belief and my faith? Now, again, if you do your homework, you'll find that there's tons of evidence for intelligent design, not to mention that 60%, right around 60% of the scientific community believe in intelligent design because based on creation and all the intricacies of creation itself, there's no way they could arrive at, conclusion, at the conclusion that all of this came together by accident. No way. 60% of the scientific community. Here's how the Apostle Paul says it. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being, underst being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, the intricacies of creation scream evidence that there is a creator. Church, think about it. The sun, the moon, the earth, the sky, the universe, the galaxies, and things we've not even been able to discover yet. Is it more logical? Is it more logical to arrive at a conclusion that all of this happened by accident or that there is a creator behind it? I mean, think about it for a second. Where else do we use this reasoning that something came from nothing, right? When we see a tree, we know it came from a seed. When we see a bird, we know it came from an egg. When we see a baby, we know it came from a mother. Not a birthing parent, by the way. Praise God, hallelujah, amen. Come on, somebody. Yeah. When we see a Patriots fan, we know it came from bad, bad, bad judgment. I got a reputation to keep, come on. <laughs> Nowhere else. Nowhere else in life would we ever say that something came from nothing, nowhere. So if we're going to deconstruct our doubt, the logical, the logical conclusion is that there is a creator that's responsible for our experience, for the human experience. Now, for those of us that are believers, let me show you something that happened. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem and they're praising him. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And 
The Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day that, by the way, Jesus, we talked about this last week, Jesus encouraged his disciples to deconstruct the things that those religious leaders were teaching them. So they're coming in, they're worshiping Jesus and they're praising him and the Pharisees see this and they say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, he, re he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out because cre creation, all of it, even the stones, knows its creator, knows its creator. Point number two, if there is a creator, is it more logical to believe that the creator has a purpose for his creation or is he just leaving things up to chance? Is it more logical to believe that he has a purpose for his creation or is he just leaving things up to, to chance? Once again, logical deductive reasoning would say that if there is a creator, which we've already determined, and he created all of this, it makes more logical sense than not that he actually had a plan in mind when he put all of these things into motion. That before the creation of the world, he had an idea, a very intentional process for how this was going to go. I love how Isaiah chapter 40 captures this. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Sounds like an intentional process to me. Point number three. If there is a purpose for creation, which we've determined through logical deductive reasoning, can we agree that human beings seem to be the primary species of intelligence and dominance? Now stay with me, because some of you are like, why are, you, why are you communicating that way? Because I'm talking to the skeptic. I'm talking to the person that doubts. And so let me say it again, if there is a purpose for creation, which we've determined, can we agree that human beings seem to be the primary species of intelligence and dominance? I mean, think about it. There is no other species that is ruling us, smarter than us, or determining what happens in this world or to this world more than us. Nothing even comes in comparison to the fact that we are both the, de the developers of this world and the destroyers of it, which means we are the dominant species. You cannot get around that, which means church, if there is a creator and if the creator has a purpose for creating all of this, and if we are by far the most dominant species ruling this created earth, then logical deductive reasoning would conclude that humans are the primary focus of creation. Let me show you how Genesis chapter one says it. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Quick side note, theological point here. Uh, this is a case for the Trinity, right? So God says, let us, not me, he says, let us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Now, I always like taking a moment here in, in describing, or I should say emphasizing, that to complete the image of God, you need both a male and female. To complete the image of God, 
You need both a male and female. I absolutely love that. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Praise God, hallelujah, amen. Come on, somebody. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Point number four. Therefore, if there is a creator who has an intentional plan for his creation, and humans seem to be the primary focus of that creation, doesn't it make sense that he would have a purpose for his primary creation? Doesn't it make logical, deductive sense that if we are the primary focus of his creation, that he would have a purpose in mind for us? Point number five, if God has a purpose for human beings, doesn't it make logical sense that he would let them know what that purpose is. In this book, we have two covenants. We have what's called the old covenant, and then we have the new covenant that was established through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to understand this whole book, but something that you really do need to understand is in the first part of this book, in what's called the old covenant, God established a law. Now, we call it a law, but let's think of it in the most practical terms possible. God established a purpose. God set some parameters. He set some rules, if you will, right? If he's the creator of the world that we've determined, there's a creator. If he's a, there's a creator, there's an intentional process to his creation. If by and far we could see that we are the primary species of creation, therefore he probably has a purpose for his primary creation, doesn't it make sense that he would tell us what he wants us to do? that he would instruct us in how to live, that he would give us some guidelines on what it looks like to live out his purpose for our life. Logical, deductive reasoning would say, yes. In the old covenant, it's established as the law of Moses. Sometimes we just refer to it as the 10 commandments. God gave us, he gave us a law. If you ask me, it makes sense. He gave us a law, but what we all must understand, he knew we would break it. You see, he gave us a law that established perfection because God in his very nature is perfect. And so if we wanna be in relationship with him, then he's gonna show us, this is how you perfectly live out my purpose for your life. But he also knew nobody's gonna be able to do that because I'm gonna give them a choice. I'm not gonna make them. I'm not gonna be up here and like, they're just my little robots and I'm making them do whatever I want them to do. No, they get a choice. And because they get a choice, I already know in my sovereignty, I'm speaking for God, by the way, not me. That they're gonna mess up. Most of them are gonna do that daily. And when they do, I wanna, sure, I wanna make sure that I make a clear path back to me. And so the way that God set this up in the old covenant was through a sacrificial system where people would sacrifice an animal on behalf of the sin, which is what we call anything that you do that goes against what God wants for you, what God's purpose is for you, anything is called sin. And the sacrifice was what elevated the fact that we had failed to follow through on what God had asked us to do. Now, some people might wonder, especially outside of the church, if you didn't grow up with any of this, some people might've wondered, why in the world would you kill animals? That sounds like a pretty cruel God to me. Why in the world would you make this system in a way to where you had to sacrifice an animal? Well, the first thing I would say is God knew that wasn't gonna be the ultimate plan. It was gonna be the original plan. 
But for the people that might say, hey, that seems like a little much, here's what I would say, okay? Just hear me out here. I don't think so. Imagine if all we had to do when we decided to do something that God, the creator of this world, who had a purpose in mind for his creation and for us specifically, when we decided to, you know what, I'm gonna do my own thing, and then all we had to do is just say, oh, my bad, God. My bad, I'll do better next time. I don't think there'd be a lot of accountability there, would there? Wouldn't be a lot of accountability. And so what he did is he said, hey, to show you the significance of that separation, to show you the significance of what sin does to me and what it makes me feel like when you go against the purposes that I have for you, I want you to sacrifice an animal. Because when you sacrifice that animal and you see that life go out of that animal, I hope you see how significant it is to me that you've separated yourself from me by not following through on what I've asked you to do. It was incredibly symbolic that we saw, man, this is a big deal. When we go against what the creator of this world has designed for us and asked us to do, when we go against that, it's a big deal. Let me show you how Hebrews chapter nine explains all of this. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and the branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with blood, both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Because blood represents the essence of life. It's the greatest sacrifice, which is significant in the fact that sin is a very big deal to God when we go against the creator's plan and purpose for our life. But God knew that this was only gonna be a temporary fix. Because if you go back and read through the Old Covenant, you'll learn that they had to do this every single year. It was called the Day of Atonement, where they took a day and they would sacrifice all kinds of animals in hopes that God would forgive them. And it was always in that order, sacrifice and then forgiveness, sacrifice and then forgiveness for another year. And then the next year they'd do the same thing, the day of atonement. But God knew from the beginning that he wanted a permanent solution. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he intentionally created, that he sent and gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would never die, will never perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that today. He did not send Jesus here to condemn you, but to save you, to save the world that he intentionally created through Jesus. Whoever believes in him and therefore accepts his sacrifice is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned on their own because you've separated yourself from God. You've gone against the purpose of the creator. He had a purpose in mind for his creation and every single one of us. And when we go against it, you intentionally separate yourself from him without Jesus, without that sacrifice, because the forgiveness doesn't come until after the sacrifice, without that sacrifice, you stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now watch this, ready? Before Jesus, we 
had to make animal sacrifices to remind us of the penalty of our sin. But when Jesus sacrificed his life, God was the one making the sacrifice for you. Your heavenly father, the creator of this world was making the sacrifice for you. Can we just stop there and think about it? What more could we ask for? What more could we ask for from the creator of this world who gave us a written plan? Hey, do this, knowing we wouldn't do it. And when we went away from it, we separated ourselves from him and his plan to restore that for good was not something that you had to do, but something he was willing to do for you. Wow. Wow. There's a reason why it's called the good news. Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds, we are healed, we are restored, we are forgiven, and we get the gift of eternal life. Wow. So, let's recap. Logical, logical deductive reasoning would say there's a creator. And if there's a creator, then logical deductive reasoning would say that he had an idea in mind, a purpose in mind of what he was wanting to do through that creative process, through creation itself. And since there is an intentional process, logical deductive reasoning would say that human beings, out of everything that's been created, seem to be the primary focus of that creation. And logical deductive reasoning would say if we are the primary focus of creation, that means God has specific purposes for us. And if God had specific, specific purposes for us, and he knew we weren't going to be able to follow through on them perfectly, and by not following through on them perfectly, that was going to separate us from the creator, makes sense to me, then logical deductive reasoning would say that God had a solution for our sin. His name is Jesus, and he is our savior. Last week, we determined that if you don't start with a foundation of understanding that at the core of who we are, we are sinners that have separated ourselves from God who ultimately need a savior, that if we don't start with that foundational peace and principle, then our likelihood of potentially deconverting and destroying it all one day increases greatly. If you didn't listen to my sermon last week, go back and listen to it and that'll make a lot more sense. Let me wrap it up with one more verse, Hebrews chapter nine. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. Thank you, God. He will come again. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. And church, that is the gospel. Let me pray for us. Oh God, 
creation screams of your reality. But along the way, many of us have been influenced, have bought into some lies. We've been on the wrong side of the wrong churches and the wrong Christians. And that stuff takes its toll, God. You know that better than any of us. And it starts to skew who you are. It starts to skew your purpose for our life. It starts to skew what it really means to follow after your son, Jesus. And so on one hand, God, I would ask that you would continue to show us where we need to deconstruct some things, tear some things down so that we can arrive at truth because some of that crap, it really is taking, it has taken its toll on our soul, no doubt. But on the other hand, if we'll just kind of stop and back up from it all and truly just use logic, logical deductive reasoning to to think about the things that we've discussed this morning, it's not that hard to arrive at a creator that had an intentional process for creation and we are the center of that intentional process and therefore you have a purpose for our life and when we break that purpose, you have a plan for us to be reconciled. Thank you, God, for not only making that way, but making it clear. So to the doubter out there, Father, would you whisper to them today and at least get them to reconsider if maybe they need to deconstruct their doubt. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.